we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about where we're coming before we get lost. Welcome back to Tuesday night's edition of The Crew. Dylan Allen alongside Brant Wolf and Chris Sakonis. Can We Just Talk is starting right now. Chris, do you have something you want to talk about? Yeah, I've got something, you know, that kind of been I've kind of been thinking about for the last couple of days that I think um, it's kind of interesting from a college basketball uh, perspective. Um, So as you guys know, there's a ton of non-conference college basketball going on all around the country. Um, Some of them are in neutral sites. And I was reading an article earlier today on CBS Sports um, about Bubbleville, which is being played at the Mohegan Sun. Uh, There's like eight, ten teams or so uh, playing there. That's where Virginia lost to USF and all these other uh, upsets are going on. Um, And I was reading about like the nuances of it, and it's really interesting. So basically what happens is the teams all have to get like two tests to be allowed in. Then after quarantine, well, they wait for an additional test. And then there are like specific floors that are blocked out on the hotel just for them. And if they want to leave their rooms, they have to have like a security detail, like escort them if they have like a valid reason and basically for the past week or so, they've just been in the bubble, just going to and from games. And um, I I guess the reason why I bring this up is, you know, I kind of want to get your guys thoughts on this as college basketball fans. Do you think that this is a model that, you know, the big 10 or other leagues should implement when we have conference play? I mean, I definitely think it should be used, you know, for the for March Madness, just because the amount of teams that you're going to have playing yeah. in that setting. And I do think it's a it, it it wouldn't be that big of a deal for the Big Ten to at least try it, because right now they really don't have anything set in place that I'm aware of that kind of goes along the lines of a bubble type setting when teams are you know visiting one another for in conference play. And you know, I think this is a good way. To just make sure that none of the none of the players are doing anything that they shouldn't be, uh, in terms of you know going out and you know going elsewhere where they where they really shouldn't be and they should just be in their hotel rooms with their teammates and coaches and that's and that's it. Uh, I definitely think that this should be something should be used and I guess maybe something like what you just brought up would be probably wouldn't be that bad of an idea. Yeah, I said I second that. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth with the. Uh thinking that it should be done for March Madness. I, I think for the, for conference play and, and, and at this point, well, what's the, what what's the point of doing that? We're all, all we're so used to teams traveling back and forth now and, and going to one, one gym or, and, and the other, I, I think that at, at this point it would just be pointless almost, but for March Madness, exactly with all these, with all these teams, it seems like something that can be done and something that that should be done because it needs to happen at all costs. Apparently for the NCAA, because they lost, I can't even fathom the amount of money that they lost last year for not having March Madness. So to not have it again would be unreal or to have something go wrong for it would also be unreal and possibly like postpone or, or halt March Madness for happening midway if something happens. So they have to definitely explore this option and they should use this option for March Madness. But for conference play, I I think it would just be, at this point, useless. Well, I think that I'm going to push back on that a little bit because think about it this way. You're going to have some sort of travel involved, you know, because it's inevitable. The Big Ten, like the Big Ten, for instance, has teams going from Nebraska all the way to New Jersey. Um so I, I think that you're going to have some travel regardless, but the big thing with the bubble is you limit the number of trips you have to make. Like, I'm not saying like put all 14 teams in a bubble for three months, like the NBA did. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but I could see them setting up a system because the virus isn't getting any better probably for the next couple months at least. So I could see them potentially setting up a system where, you know, you have a week off and then, you know, you take like five or six uh, Big Ten teams and you have them all play at, say, Maryland, for instance, and they're sequestered there for like a week. They play like three games, then they leave, go back to campus for a week. Like it's not perfect. It's not like the NBA, but it does reduce the risk a bit. And I think that, you know, keeping the players healthy should really be something that has to be a priority. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a bubble like what the NBA did, uh, I mean, that wouldn't be, 
I wouldn't mind seeing that for March Madness. I mean, it makes sense, but the but the issue only issue there would be, you know, there's just so many teams you'd have to account for. I, I don't know how they would do that. Maybe they would do something like the NHL, where they have you know maybe three hub cities, and and that's the only place they play. And then there's you know one final place for the Final Four. That's one of the hub cities or you know whatever it is. But I I think the best way to handle this. Um, would be to do, like I just mentioned, an NHL-type bubble. Instead of having it like the NBA, where it's just one location. Because there's too many teams in March Madness. You need to have a couple hub cities, as they did in the in, as they did in the NHL. You know, maybe have it in California, New York, wherever you want it. And you just, you kind of do, okay, you know, we'll put 10 teams there, 10 teams there. And, and then maybe you lower it to 32 teams instead of 64 uh, to to, I guess make it fewer amount of teams involved. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Mm, I don't either. think that's going to happen. Think think about but think about this, Dylan. I, I get where you're coming from. Like you know, cut down on the teams. Um, I don't think that'll be necessary because it's single elimination. It's not like you know, sixty four teams are going to be playing a best of seven each round. Like normal yeah, March Madness, true. by day four, seventy five percent of the teams are gone. Like they're out of there. And the other thing is you don't have to make March Madness, you know, spread out over a month like you normally do. If you're all in one location and, you know, athletes would probably be taking online classes anyway, you could bang out, like, what is it? It's 64-32. It's like six games from the first round to the title yeah, after game. The first, after the first two rounds, they, they wait, like, uh, basically a week until – Yes. Uh, it's so Thursday you, through you Sunday. Could, yeah, you could just can that. Yeah, you could do it like well, the NBA was playing every other day. Maybe you, you know, you add a little more rest, but you can get the tournament done in like two, two and a half weeks. And you know, from like I said, for most of those teams, they'd be there no more than four or five days because um, they would have to, they would, you know, they would lose and they would be out of there. So I don't think, I don't think it would really make sense for them to cut the amount of teams. I, I, I'm interested to see how they do this though, because they want to do them all in Indianapolis. Um. I think what would be really cool is they have Lucas Oil Stadium booked around then anyway, and it's not like anything else is going to be going on there in March and April. They could put like five or six basketball courts just around Lucas Oil and have the whole tournament going on at the same time in one place. Yeah, you could do that, but then again, um, you know how many? Like, people... They're not going to be fans there anyway, so like, what difference does it make? I guess so, but it, at that point, uh, is you it too people many people side by? Have people playing side by side is what you're trying to say. Yes, like kind of like how wrestling tournaments have like six matches going on. Well, at the same that time. that would be I, yeah, that that would be outland that would be outlandish though a little bit. I, th- I, I could like see them could... doing that. I mean, think about it. It makes more sense having them drive all around like Indianapolis or Indiana. Yeah, but it would be it, yeah, it, it would it would be di- more difficult for the players. Imagine imagine you know you're at the foul line, you're at the foul line. Someone's getting ready for free throw, and you're watching a game. Right across from you. Some I mean, crazy it's, but it's not going to be next one. spread out over a football field, Brant. Yeah, but what if there's like a foul call, like Brant said, in the middle of a, a middle of a foul I, I shot, guess, and there's like maybe. three whistles going off at the same time? <laughs> Might be well, a little I mean, distracting. But okay, but a whistle that's on like your court isn't going to sound the same as a whistle three, like thirty yards away. You know what I mean? Like, I know, but I'm also just talking about people. Just getting in, you know, because do- it still happens to these people. They still will doze off for five seconds, and you could doze off and start watching someone else's game, and, and that could be costly. I mean, I guess, I guess everyone's got to do it. So it's like a, it's a yeah, it's, it's a, a level playing field. Everyone, it's a level like it playing field because everyone's got to deal with it. But it, it's definitely going to be weird. I, I I don't think they're going to try to go for that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think outside of the box. It's they're going to do it in one it's city anyway. So like, why not just go all in and do it all in the same building? And they've done this. This has been done for uh, basketball tournaments in the past. I know, I want to say it's Conference USA, one of those random mid majors in the South. They do it in a indoor like football stadium. And they have two yeah, games now you're going talking on at the about same the time. biggest games. Now you're talking about literally some of the biggest sporting games of the entire year. Yeah, but they do it for a conference tournament, which for those teams in a mid major, that's the biggest games of their season. True. So like, uh, is it really that different? It's diff- it, it's difficult. I just it's difficult. I, I wish yeah, everything I mean, was be normal, difficult no matter but... what. Yeah. Another so. thing you have to think about too is if by then, because you know, March is what four months from now. So you got to think yeah. also. You know, what if the vaccine by then is is you know if it's being used and it's and it's working, 
Maybe you could have fans. I I would listen. I hope I'm wrong, and you know we're able to get sixty thousand people in there for Final Four. Like I would love that more than anything else. Um, I'm just thinking. Oh yeah, no doubt. If you're still in Corona mode at that time, you know, you're gonna have to get creative. So I could see them doing it where maybe not everyone is allowed in, but like say if like a third of the country has gotten the vaccine by like March. Like I could see them opening it up to like saying if you had the vaccine already, you can go to a basketball game. Like you know, yeah. I mean, I think the vac- I think the vaccine will definitely be, um, you know, people will, will start to have it by March. I, I think, yeah, I think yeah, no, a, a certain a group decent, of, decent... of the population at least will have it by then. Um, it yes. just might not be everybody. So no, yeah, and, and, and even God, Brett. No, I was gonna say, and, and even if you don't have. Even if you don't have fans, like just to just to be able to like get, just to be able to have it not as complicated where we're talking about having two courts side by side, or you know on a, on the same football field playing would be would be fine for me too. At, at this point, I'm, I'm I'm used to to no fans, even though I like it way more with fans. People are a little bit more accustomed to it now, but hopefully by March, it, it is a good point to raise. Like by March, could everything be pushing towards being normal? Definitely not. I think things will be better at least. I don't think it'll things be like be it better. is right now. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows, man? You never know. You never I mean, know. listen, Brand. I would like if it's at all possible. I would like to uh, call a Rutgers NCAA tournament game in person. Um, so if there's any way we can make that happen, believe me, I'm all for it. So yeah, it would be it would be perfect. But it's just it's it's difficult yeah. with everything going on. Yeah, and the Colts yeah. also are allowing fans for their football games in Lucas Oil Stadium. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. now, you know, even if it's, you know, the vaccines aren't 100% reliable or, you know, they're not being used as we're predicting, it, you could still have at least some fans in there since they're having fans now for their football games, no? Maybe. I don't know. But I also don't know how the NCAA is going to handle it. Like, will they view it as too big of a risk? It's true. So, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, this is all four months away from now, so a lot can change. So I'm yeah. not gonna. We're only three games into the season as well. I know, right? So we're all just we're all just so excited to just finally get there because you know it was kind of ripped away from us last year, and we were all psyched up. Oh my god, the night! I'm I'm already looking forward to like what Nightline's going to be like after Rutgers, uh, you know, is in the NCAA tournament and they play their first game. Oh my god, that's going to be awesome. We're gonna get we're gonna get so many callers and, and just hyped up fans along with us and it's just gonna be well, a no, great. no, but Dylan, you weren't you weren't around for this. Um, no, I, I don't I don't I don't think Brant was the, like he was in the department obviously, but I don't think he was uh, at at the station or involved. After the Maryland game when we beat Maryland at the rack like a week before everything shut down, like that was like the most lit nightline I've ever been a part of in my life. Like we were on for like almost two hours after the game ended. Oh no, the the world, the I mean the the Rutgers world was on fire at that point, and it just took an absolute torpedo to the chest. Yeah, it was crazy how everything you know flipped in one week or less than a week. We were at Brand. You remember we were at that uh, St. John's uh, bar uh, in Manhattan. Oh, it was we went crazy. To that convention. We Crazy man! I, I, every time I look at it, it, it it still blows my mind how how everything has just changed. It yeah. Blows my mind. Like it, it it went from you just you look at snaps and stuff or pictures you had from from last year, and it's like wow, like like the world was like this, and and now it's like this, and now we got to worry about how are we gonna have March Madness when we were just you know March Madness was just a. It was a regular thing. Like you knew every, every year, every year you're watching March Madness. And I can't yeah. wait till my team makes it to the tournament. And then the tournament doesn't even happen. It, it's yeah. unreal. But like, if there's one like solace to it, it's that Rutgers is going to be good for a long time. So yep. like, and it's not like that. It's not like it's like a San Diego state or a Dayton deal where like, that was our one shot. And then no, that's it. No, 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 like, no, no, no. Rutgers is going to be good for a long time. So like, five years from now we're not going to be talking about 2020 nearly as much because there'll be so much that happens after that that'll just you know make that go away for so. sure i mean i, I second that I, be a good 30 for 30 though i'll tell you that much yeah it, it, if, if we go and win the championship one day it would definitely make a sick 30 for 30 or or shiano too if shiano gets this team humming to where we think it's going to be that would be another sick 30 for 30 oh yeah definitely 
Rutgers has got two good ones brewing. Get the movie directors out. Sign a contract. Rose Bowl 2022. Here we come. Yep. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked here on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. We will talk more sports on when we come back. WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Crew Tuesday edition. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Brent Wolf and Chris Sokonis. So we talked a little bit about Rutgers football in the beginning of the show. Uh, a little bit of Rutgers hoops. Talked about Peichel and you know the tournament and the whole coronavirus uh, pandemic and how that's going to shape the season for Rutgers and the rest of college basketball. Now I want to get a little bit into, as some people say, the NFC least, otherwise known as the NFC East. Uh, the Giants lead that division at four and seven, um, and they're on pace to become the third team in NFL history to win the division with a losing record. Um, so, guys, what what are your opinions on the NFC least this year? I mean, I've I've, I've, I've requested this topic because it's absolutely hilarious to me how one game could be played and played on Sunday, and that's the division leader, and then the next game's on Monday and that's a division leader but the division leader is four and seven so that that's that's even funnier for me but um I, when you honestly look at it the Giants truly are starting to separate themselves in that division and from from the eye from the straight up eye test like when you look at how bad all these teams are and they're all really bad but when you actually are starting to look at it now the Cowboys are a god-awful mess the Eagles are just living on the ghost of Carson Wentz right now. He needs to go right now. The Redskins are playing somebody with a cyborg leg at quarterback. And the Giants are somewhat humming, somewhat humming a little bit. I mean, I'm starting to like their team again. Something going with the run with Gallman. He's looking better than Saquon. Danny Dimes is, is not looking awful. He's looking like the best quarterback, honestly, in that, in that division. And... The receivers don't look that bad either. The defense is playing real well. So it, it, it's hilarious to me, and I, I don't know what to make of it. This team, whoever wins this division, is going to end up getting absolutely worked in the playoffs. But I honestly, at this point, I'm starting to pull for the Giants because I, I start, I'm starting to think they are the best team in that division. Hold your horses there, Brent. We we might win uh, the first round of the playoffs here. Uh, I have faith. Well, there's best team. Uh, yeah, but like when you say best team in the division, you gotta put like a a quadruple asterisk on that, <laughs> just because like I, I mean that's like being the tallest kindergartner, but for football. Um, oh, they're they're still they're still a turd, but they're more polished. Horrendous. Turd. They they win four games turd. all year in any other division. Yeah, they're a polished turd. The only team that couldn't be in the playoff race in the NFC East would be the New York Jets. <laughs> that's it. No, they're, 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 that's, that's, that's literally it. That's, They'd that's make Kyle Allen out. look like uh, Joe Montana. <laughs> Just a garbage <laughs> franchise. I'm sorry. I, I... No, no. And, and what's coming off the reports? I have a bunch of Jets fans that are our friends too. Aside from just the people at, at WRCU, what comes out of the reports from Gase too are just to die for. They're they're hilarious. They're hilarious. They're all just How waiting for him to get fired. Oh my god! Well, he the, here's the thing: the Jets. Let's say what you want about it. the Jets never fire a coach before the end of the year. Like they didn't do it with Bowles. They didn't do it with Rex. They didn't do it with Mangini. They never fire a coach before the end of the year. It's just like they don't do that. Um, now, I mean, this guy, frankly, I wanted him fired from the moment they hired him. Uh, every, every indication was that he'd be a absolute dumpster fire of, of a head coach. And, you know, we've been proven right yet again at the cost of Sam Darnold's career, at least in New York. Um, now you got to hit the reset button on your franchise again. And, you know, it just I know this is supposed to be at the NFC. So I apologize for like hijacking the conversation. But no, you, you, oh, no I look forward to these. I look forward to these embarrassment. Rents. Yeah, I mean, and now, and now, what I like even more is that it's possible that Matt Patricia is on your guys' list. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, can you guys Look, hire him? 
Frankly, both Adam Gase, I wouldn't hire Adam Gase or Matt Patricia to be an Uber Eats driver, let alone an NFL head coach. <laughs> so I, I think that if they even sniff Matt Patricia, I, I am honestly like, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to find a new hobby because the NFL won't be it for me anymore. <laughs> back to the, back to the NFC, back to the NFC least though. Yes. I, I know we got a bunch of Giants fans here too, but. The, like I said, I, I think the Giants are looking like the best herd in that division. Listen, I know the record says they're four and seven, but if you look at their schedule, they've lost a bunch of games that have been one possession. Two teams that are going to be in the playoffs, like you know, they lose to the Bears, and I know they haven't looked very good, and I know they're not going to be a playoff team, but they're still a good defense. We lose that game seventeen to thirteen. Uh we play the Rams, who have looked pretty good, you know, on and off. Not this past week, they didn't look too good, but you know, they the Rams are on and off as well. They're a very Rams. on and off team. But but keep going. We lose seventeen to nine in L.A. Uh, and then we play Dallas with Dak, you know, who got hurt I think late in the third quarter. We lose that game by three points, and then we go play Philadelphia, the first game in Philly, and we all know what happened there with Evan Engram. I, I that that was a very bad night for me, but we lose by one point there. And then we lose the next week to the Buccaneers with Tom Brady and all those weapons by two. And, and so the record shows four and seven. But in my eyes, we're just a little close. We just need to get a little closer to having just a little bit more talent to be able to pull out some of these wins. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a at a six and five team and, instead of four and seven. And, and you know, I'm just I'm just saying, listen, the, the record's bad. And the and the NFC least is terrible, but the the Giants are definitely the best team in this division. Their defense has been playing great all year, and what sucks is that Daniel Jones suffered a hamstring injury this past week against the Bengals, and we don't know how long he'll be out. But it's it's Colt McCoy season, boys. That's all I gotta say. He's gonna bring us to the playoffs. Well, I mean, the real McCoy is Dylan McCoy, so you know we're just gonna leave that out there, even though the, <laughs> some of the voters on our polls disagreed, but. Um, I, I find that, you know, I don't know what to make of Daniel Jones, man. Like, I feel like he has all the physical talent in the world, but he's just so turnover prone. And he's and, so you know, on and off. I mean, he's, he's the best quarterback on their roster, hands down. And, you know, hopefully for your sake, uh, McCoy can step in well, but, um, you know, I don't know what to make of him as a prospect. You know, that's just me. It's weird because like, you're right. The, in, uh, the, He's definitely turnover prone, but the last couple games he's played, he he hasn't turned the ball over once, I don't think. And you know that's that's pretty encouraging to see. And I know, you know, the Bengals aren't a very good team, but Philadelphia, Philadelphia still has a credible defense. Like their pass rush is still good. The front seven is still good. Guys with Fletcher Cox and 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 you know Brandon Graham, and you know it, there's no slouch of a defense there. So to come off of two straight weeks without any turnovers and two wins, that's very encouraging for me. And what they've been able to do. In terms of the RPO game, uh, getting Jones running the ball, and that's pretty much been our run game this year, and, and Gallman stepped in and he's done a nice job. Uh, as a Giants fan, it, it kind of sickens me because I can only imagine what Saquon would be doing right now if he was playing like Gallman. He'd be, he'd be doing nothing. He'd be doing nothing. Oh, stop is, it. is as overrated as it gets. Gallman oh, stop is better. it. Wait, 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 wait. Saquon is overrated? Saquon is as overrated as he oh, gets. Oh, stop, stop it, Brent. Just stop. You're, you're embarrassing yourself. I'm sorry. So, so, no. so the same— Saquon so, Barkley. So, all right, I'll say this about Saquon Barkley. Should not have been second do? overall. It's never smart to pick a running back second overall because he has such a short shelf life in, in the NFL. You've got six, maybe seven good years out of him, no matter who you are. That's number one. Number two, Saquon Barkley is as talented of a running back as there is in the NFL. There's nothing that— other the best running backs in the NFL can do that he can't do. He has explosiveness. He is strong. He is really fast. He does all those things very well. If he had been drafted by a halfway functional team, we'd be talking about him as one of the best running backs of the era. But because he had to be taken by Dave Gettleman of the New York Giants, uh, he's best left, GM in you know, the league. Oh my goodness, that <laughs> that man is horrendous. Like he needs to go. Oh my goodness, like I right, maybe horrendous. I, I, I second. I, I second your opinion. On he's being surrounded. He's it. surrounded by like 
garbage talent. It's basically like Brent to put it in perspective. It's basically like me playing offensive line for the Giants right well, now, and well, then expecting him to do anything. Yeah, well, but then how is Gallman? How is Gallman getting getting? That's right the now? thing. They drafted offensive linemen this past draft. I think they drafted like five or six linemen, and well, they're finally saw, like, starting what, to one click. Or two games. We saw like one, one or one and a half, or was it two games from Saquon, and they were both absolutely abysmal. Yeah, well, keep in mind, you know. Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league, and the Bears are one of the best defenses in the league as well, and so were the Niners, right? I mean, those were the three games. Actually, he got hurt in the Bears game. So he played two games against some of the best run defenses in the NFL. You know, you put him you put him up against, uh, like, the Cowboys defense in that one matchup, you know, he'll probably have a boatload of yards. My, Brent, my point being, the offensive line in, in past years, ever since he's been drafted, it's been pretty abysmal. But this past draft... They've drafted five linemen, and you're starting to see the run game improve with Wayne Gallman, and I think one of the main reasons why that is is because they're incorporating Jones as a running threat now, and defenses don't know if it's going to be him with the ball or Gallman. So you got guys second-guessing who's going to get the ball when that point of contact is made when they're about to hand it off or if Daniel Jones is going to keep it. That's definitely what keeps defenses on their toes, and they're, and they're not 100% sure, so... You know, I do think that if Saquon was never hurt this year, that Daniel Jones would not have been incorporated as much in this run game as he is now. But I think now that we're seeing what he can do with his legs, that once Saquon comes back, the not Giants the are going to be a pretty good offensive team in terms of being able to run the ball because teams are not going to know who where the ball is going to go. I'm the same way as you with the Panthers. Like I honestly think McCaffrey getting hurt uh, helped out like our, our team as a whole, and I, I think Saquon getting hurt. Definitely helped your team out as a whole too. I, I think the Giants have gotten uh, much better from that, honestly, because it's allowed them to not have to literally feel inclined to use Saquon on for eighty for eighty percent of their plays uh, because everyone's got him in fantasy and he's this big, huge uh, star. Like I, I think that's helped out the Giants a lot. But I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not a big Saquon guy. I'm. 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 I'm really not. I'm not big on him. I think that he's. I think that he's good. But I. I, I mean. I, I. When I say he's overrated, it's not saying he's bottom of the freaking barrel, uh, in terms of running backs in the NFL. It's just that when you look at the top, top four or five guys, and a lot because a lot of people put Saquon there. I, I think I can name. I think I can name five running backs I like more than him. Honestly, I think one healthy Saquon's the best running back in the league. No, you're out of your mind. I don't know about best, but he's I would say he's at least top five. I'm taking I'm taking McCaffrey, Kamara, and Cook and Derrick Henry over him every time. Every day of the week. Uh, There's I don't a four know. right there. There's a four right there. And if you want to throw Zeke and Zeke in that, you can. I'd, I'd, put, I'd think... put Zeke over Cook, honestly. Like Derrick Henry, I'll give you like you know, I'll, I'll in give terms you of this of year or overall, Chris? I'm saying overall, like this year, you know, it's a bit of a smaller sample size, especially with Saquon. Um, The other thing you got to keep in mind, though, Bran, is even like a really good running back, their production is largely constrained by how good or bad the run protection of the offensive line is. Like you're not going to be running. You're not going to be getting as as many yards running uh, with Andrew Thomas uh, supposed to be uh, making clear lanes for you as, uh, you know, like uh, say if you have a top 10 offensive line no I, I i definitely that's what happened with zeke we were all joking about that that any running back could have went in for zeke and they would have been yeah i mean that's running. that i mean that's not and i'm and i mean zeke is really good too so like i'm not taking anything away from him but if z if you flip the roles and i said the same thing about sam darnold if you flip the roles between you know say zeke was drafted in new york with this team and saquon was drafted by dallas saquon would be breaking all kinds of records he'd be on, on another level yeah, I stand by that. See, Zeke, and Zeke, Zeke would be was, like Zeke was smashing records though. Like I, I, I well, do. No, no, really, no, but, but, and now look but what's you happened. Get my, you get my point yeah. though. Yeah, but but then you get my point into saying that is Saquon that that much different than the rest of these top five guys? I think that if he had a a Dallas esque offensive line, you know, the past couple of years that Zeke's had, I think he's easily the best running back in the league. If he has a if he has a line that Zeke had these past years, yes, I I think so. All right, well, I'll I'll agree to disagree on that, but he is he's good. But in in terms of people putting him, you know, drafting him number one in fantasy and thinking that he's the best running back in the NFL, I I disagree with that. 
Well, I wouldn't say the best. I would say he's one of the best. Well, I mean, people, people were, people were saying that coming into this year. He was, he was picked one over McCaffrey in, in some leagues. Yeah, I mean that for fantasy, I definitely agree with you, Brant. That McCaffrey is the safe bet, and he's probably the best available. I, I don't disagree there. But if we're talking about pure talent and, you know, from a skill set, and what their team kind of brings to the table. I think Saquon is the the most talented, and he's the best running back. He has all the tools that a running back needs. He really doesn't have any flaws, it's other than knees. other than his pass block. Other than his pass blocking, there, there really isn't anything he struggles with. He has the strength, the speed. He's got everything. He can bounce it to the outside. Uh, he's good in the pass game. I mean, that the Giants ranked 18th out of out of the the, the Giants' offensive line in 2018 uh, was ranked 18th. And he had over thirteen hundred yards. And I know, we're talking. We're talking two years ago already at this point. No, no, we're, but, we're, but I'm I'm telling you, when he's healthy, and with a bad offensive line, he's still putting up great numbers. And I'm I'm making the point that if he was on a team like Dallas, you know, with a top five O line, he's gonna have two thousand rushing yards. That's that's all. Awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like we need to put more respect on Saquon. You know, he, he, it's not his fault that he was drafted in this horrible situation. Like, yeah, the, Gettleman drafted him at two, which is early, and and we didn't even have an offensive line to support him. And then let's not forget, a year later they ship out Odell Beckham Jr. And, and then yeah. you're starting the next year with a rookie quarterback. So it's like he went from having Eli and Odell. And a serviceable defense to then a team that was just flat out garbage without any offensive weapons, a new quarterback, and a whole defense that was filled filled with like twenty year old rookies that had no experience or anything. So it's kind of hard to to it. It I feel bad for him because he gets so much hate, and it's just because the Giants aren't good, and and people just kind of I guess push that on him and and just say like, listen, they're a bad team. It wasn't a good pick, but I, listen, can the you Giants. Hear me? Are, yeah, I can hear you, Brant. Okay, sorry, my, my my headset died, so I'm working off my uh, speakerphone now, so it's going to be a little 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 more difficult, but I'll try to try to make it work. Okay, I I was just saying, listen, I feel like he gets more more hate than he should, and it's because of how the team has played in the past. Um, and I honestly, I truly believe that in in a year or two, when the offensive line it it, it starts to get better, and they're and and they have the pieces that they need, and and whoever they have at QB, whether it's Daniel Jones or somebody else, I, I honestly feel like he'll become one of the best. Uh, running backs in the league for sure but here, here's the other problem with that too is by the time the Giants get their act together and by that I mean they fire Dave Gettleman um, yes you know by that point you're looking at Saquon being near the tail end of his prime yeah. and his so contract you've got yes yes I would honestly and you know I'm sure Giant fans don't want to hear this um, I think that the smarter big picture move for the Giants at this point um, actually, maybe wait till he comes back from his injury so he can you know, redeem his value a bit. Is maybe see if any teams are willing to make an offer because you're talking about a guy that you know if you're a playoff team that doesn't have a great running game, he's a guy that can come in yeah, and really provide a my, spark. And I think they'd be willing to overpay. So if you're my, a giant, my issue, you have a ton of holes, I think that that would be a smart move to at least look into. My issue with that though is you're going to run into the same situation where when you're tra- trying to trade running backs, like they you you never get as much as you want for them. Yeah. And, okay. And, and, I'm not saying yeah. they should sell. I'm not saying they should get rid of him for peanuts. I'm saying you should call teams and the yeah, right offer. I mean, look at look at Lev. You, take you, it. Look at Lev. You literally just ended up letting him walk because nobody. Yeah. Was well, that was also a case of him, you know, not being utilized by our coaching staff and yeah. paying him. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother fiasco that I don't think really applies here. Um, <laughs> that being said, um, you know, Giants have a lot of holes, and I think that. If I'm if I were in charge of the Giants, first thing I'd be doing is saying, "All right, what can we do to acquire draft picks? What can we do to drive capital?" Because you know, look at what look at the New York Jets did with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was unquestionable, All Pro, you know, one of the best safeties in the league. But you know, he he didn't see his future in New York. And Joe Douglas got a a massive haul. Like they had to roll back the bank Brinks truck for all that he got in draft capital. Yeah, the Jets won that. Now trade. the Jets are rolling with four first round picks in the next two years. Yeah, the Seahawks lost that trade by a mile. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get, I kind of get why they overpaid. Like the Seahawks don't have really any major holes. Like they're in win now, win a Super Bowl mode. 
And, you know, I kind of get it, but, you know, the Jets, for what they were trying to do, they got way – like, I didn't even think they would get a first-round pick. Like, I thought we would get, like, a third or a fourth round because the other team had all the leverage because Jamal Adams clearly didn't want to be here. The and, difference, you know, though, Chris – How much I know. The difference, though, Chris, is that, you know, every the, – the, I guess the whole – the whole, I guess – uh, stereotype about the running back position is that it's a it's a very replaceable spot. You know, any it guy is. can just come up and just play it. Well, not any guy, but it's more. It's not like say you know a star wide receiver yeah. or a star cornerback or a pass rusher. Like because it's so interdependent with the offensive line. If you have a good if you have good run blocking, you can get away with a less than top five running back. But that's my point, Chris. It's it's because I, you mentioned the Jamal Adams trade, and I was just going to say. You know, they got a lot of picks for it, and that was a, a definite win for the Jets getting all of those picks. But at the same time, what Brant said before is that, you know, many teams might not offer a first rounder just because the running back position isn't as heavily needed as, let's say, a strong safety position to have one of the top guys there. Because right. it's harder to find talent at the safety position as it is to as at the running back position. Um, so I, I, I think that it does sound like a smart move for the Giants to at least consider it. Like, not saying that they have to, but at least, you know, right. listen to some offers. Because if you get some first-round pick offers, you know, maybe they decide to pull the trigger there. But if they don't get anything with that, I don't think it's worth it for the Giants because, you know, like they, like you like you said perfectly, Chris, they, they spent a second overall pick on this guy, and he's only really played one full year, uh, and, he, and he missed, like, f- four games last year, and he's missed he's going to miss this whole season now. Um you know, I feel like it's a little too soon to pull the plug on him, but then, you know, the issue then becomes his whole contract situation. You know, the top running backs in the league, like McCaffrey, they're getting paid a crap ton of money. And, you know, is it then worth it for the Giants to then go spend money on Saquon Barkley as opposed to seeking, you know, free agency or, or whatever the case may be? Uh, that's that's another issue, but I, I just don't think the Giants would get, you know, what Saquon is worth if 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 they were thinking of trading him. Uh, and especially since the team is on the rise, and it looks like they love running the ball as much as they do with Gallman, I think it. I think it doesn't make sense for them to trade him at this moment. At least give him a season where he doesn't get hurt. And yeah, and well, see right what he now, does. If I trade him, you you'd get low ball no matter what because you don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back from his injury. Right. So, but I'm saying if it's like week eight of 2021, then you still feel like you're a good good distance away from really competing. You know. Feels like it feels like it would make more sense. Yeah, and I definitely wouldn't be opposed. I mean, it it does stink because you know he's your star guy. He's easily the the most popular guy on your team. Of course, right. But, but think of what you could potentially yeah. get back. Like, yeah, I know. That's that's For my sure. that's my perspective on it, at least. Yeah, so. it definitely like what like how you mentioned with the Jets and the Jamal Adams. I, I definitely would take. You know, I'm not saying that they would get four first round picks in the next two years, but. You know, maybe even getting one or two on top of, you know, what you would get after the season, you could really build some talent there. And we all know you could get late round running backs that are good as long as you build an offensive line. And if that's the route that they that the Giants take, I would not be opposed to it. Like, let's say the next two drafts in the first round, you know, they take offensive linemen or whatever, and then they decide to trade Saquon and then draft a guy in like the third or fourth round. And you put him in there, and he's all of a sudden he's really good because the O line is playing great, and you know you're, it's a good return on investment there for for the Giants. Then, you know, to get those first round picks on top of you know drafting those linemen every year, and what else they could build around. I, I it, it does sound very logical for me, you know they just, but they would have to be able to draft a good linemen that would work out and kind of form a good a solid upfront team. You know, kind of like what the Cowboys did years ago. Yeah. So. Okay, I, I I hear I hear you guys I hear you guys now. My my phone it just keeps sounding it just keeps sounding. Yeah, kinda... yeah, we know you've been having you know Brand's having some technical issues, which you know it's understandable when you're trying to do a show with every host in a different location. But yeah, my, it's also my 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 AirPods died on me. Give it like maybe two two more minutes, and they should be they should be ready to go in the charging case Good. for me to use. Again. Yeah. Yeah, so then I guess, Brent, then I would want to ask you, since we're talking about contracts with running backs, I know the Panthers are building this team around McCaffrey, but how does that look for you in the future in terms of, I, I guess, what the team might look like when his contract's up? Like, where do you go oh, from there? 
Um, so, sorry, it, 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 it's cutting out. It's cutting out a little bit. I was just saying, down the road. Uh, hold, 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 I. I'm sorry, it, it, it's cut, it's cutting out. But I, I think what you were trying to ask me was about um, about what I think about the McCaffrey signing and well, what I think about that. Is, yes, uh, you, you have to. You, we, we had to do that because similar to what the Giants are going to face, and you talk about wanting to trade Saquon. Well, no one's going to give you a lot of times when when you get these running backs, you sign them because of how much they mean to the people in your fan base. And also, I mean, McCaffrey's a little different in his situation because he kind of is that Swiss Army knife dude where. He's really good in in the passing game too. So he he he's one of the people I think it's it's he's more so worth the money than other running backs. However, obviously we we gave him more than than what you should be giving a running back. I'm not gonna hide that. It's just it's just it's just how the game goes though. But you can't let a guy like that walk because of how much he means to people like me and the fan base and what he brings to the team. But we see same thing. I mean, Mike Davis goes in, and, and, and he performed really well. However, last couple of weeks, though, we see that he is no McCaffrey at the same time. Though. He- Welcome back to Tuesday night's edition of The Crew. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Chris Sakonis and Brant Wolf. It's time for some rapid fire, and my man Chris has some stuff to talk about. Chris, what's on your mind? So I'm going to start with uh, the NBA. Um, we're hearing a little bit more about Kevin Durant's rehab. Uh, he's finally able to suit up for the Brooklyn Nets after you know being sidelined for a year and a half. Um, you know, he's taking it a day at a time. He's... Um, you know, right now he's limited to solo work because of COVID-19 and the NBA slowly ramping up operations. So, you know, it looks like he's going to be good to go for the start of the season, um, getting ready to go. And he's finally in Brooklyn and, you know, getting ready to play for the team. And, you know, he was also talking about how, um, you know, he says it's not true that he's like going behind the scenes to try and get James Harden into Brooklyn, but, you know, obviously, no one's going to say no. Um, so I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Brooklyn Nets, if Kevin Durant comes back and he's completely healthy, I mean, obviously he's coming back, but if he comes back completely healthy and we don't see any kind of setback from him, I don't see a reason why they are not the team coming out of the East. And he's definitely trying to get Harden there. Whether whether it's the, the good or bad thing to do, I don't think ever adding Harden is going to hurt your team. I, I think what could happen with that is it might, it might hurt their chances against the more better complete team that you might see come out of the West. Like, I, I don't think that getting Harden on that is necessarily the, their ticket to win the final, the finals. But in terms of people talking about going out there, getting Harden on your team, and that's going to hurt your chances of coming out of the East. I don't believe in that. Yeah. And I don't think the Rockets are going to trade Harden either just because he has two years left under his deal. But, you know, it's definitely going to be exciting to see some some quality basketball in the tri-state area, at least for, you know, the New York teams. Because I know the Nets were good last year and, you know, when they had D'Angelo Russell, but they but they were just starting out as, you know, they were coming out of a as a just coming out as a good team in general. And uh, now now that they have Kyrie and KD. I'm excited to see what they bring to the table and you know what they can really do because, like Brant said, I think it I think it comes down to how KD comes off of this injury uh, and you know if we see any setbacks from him because we all know what happened to Kobe when when he had his Achilles injury uh, he he really wasn't the same so it's going to be interesting to see if we get the KD we saw before or if we, or if we get a whole different KD. Switching over to the NFL, the Ravens are heading to Pittsburgh to finally play um, their game against the Steelers. It had been postponed three times um, from its initial scheduled day of Thanksgiving Day. Supposed to be the primetime game. Um, no further positive tests on the Ravens after having uh, at least one positive test for nine straight days. Um, they have to go play an undefeated Steeler team on the road. Uh, despite having a large chunk of their starting lineups out due to COVID-19. And, you know, I I guess Wednesday afternoon football is a thing now. So what do you guys make of this whole situation? 
Um, should they be playing tomorrow? You know, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll start. First of all, we talked about this earlier, but wait, is Lamar back or no? No, Lamar's not playing. No, he is COVID. Yeah, so, He's out for a while. Okay, yeah, we you talked about a couple people stop stop testing positive. So I I I had no idea, but um, yeah. I I think that it was ridiculous to keep to keep. I don't know what the logistics were behind postponing this game. Maybe they couldn't get couldn't get. I I, I have no idea why it got pushed to Wednesday. It's kind of it's kind of weird. I know we had a Tuesday game before, and that seemed a little more reasonable. But then having it Wednesday in the middle of the day, it's, it's kind of just far out for me. And I think that this Ravens team is completely discombobulated right now. And even when they were completely healthy, they were not fully in sync either. So I think going up now against a ten and zero Steelers team, I think I think the Steelers are in for a route tomorrow. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they have a chance. The Ravens, especially without Lamar, I, I think a team that's already been struggling, uh, you know, the past couple weeks. Just I, I feel like Lamar not being there is definitely going to be an issue for the Ravens. Yeah, and you know, I just find this whole thing kind of fascinating because you know the NFL. I would say by and large has been successful um, throughout uh, this whole uh, thing. I mean, they've gotten in well over 90% of their games played on schedule. We've had most more often than not each week has been almost completely uninterrupted by COVID, which is given the state of the virus and everything going on, the number of people involved, that's pretty impressive. Um, so I, I think that that's um, interesting, but I'm reading in on what exactly started this. It was when a strength and conditioning coach for the Ravens, um, went to work with symptoms, hid his symptoms, and didn't wear a mask inside the facility. And he also didn't wear the contact tracing device that he had on. So basically it was impossible for them to contact trace, and he got a bunch of people sick, and that's how the outbreak happened. I think that's kind of a testament to to how much COVID, though, is, is, is affecting people financially, too. I mean, for this guy to feel that, he still needs to go to work despite feeling sick. I don't. Th- I, I don't think should... it was financial. Like I'm sure he's getting paid very well, Brant. Like, no, no. I, I, well, I'm saying he's a strength and con- strength and conditioning coach. I mean, he, he doesn't want to. He does, clearly doesn't want to sit this one out. Like, why, why but he was also he like be... posting on his Twitter about how the virus is a hoax. I mean, so like, I don't think I don't think it was financial. I think he just didn't think that there was anything wrong with people getting COVID, and he exposed a bunch of people. So. All right, well then, yeah, he should be fired if, if that's the case. But yeah, it's also interesting to note. Um, getting back to the football aspect of this, not only will they be at Lamar Jack without uh, Lamar Jackson, um, also without every running back on their death chart not named Gus Edwards, um, former Scarlet Knight. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Gus Bus going to get fifty carries tomorrow. But um, no, I think yeah, they I mean, activated. I think they activated Dobbins. Did they? I think they activated. I thought he them, tested yeah. positive. He did, but yeah, I think that's they why this him. whole this whole Corona thing in the NFL is so weird to me. Like it, it, some of these people, it I says swear, here Sunday, are, November twenty second, J.K. Dobbins tested. Well, hang on, how many days is that? No, it's a today on on well, well yeah, yesterday. So that is twelve days. Six, our, our, yeah, yeah, Monday, no, yesterday days, at six forty. Yeah, that makes Dobbins sense. Dobbins right. and Market Ingram will be eligible to be activated. Oh, okay. COVID I guess it's like which, a nine day or ten day or but, whatever. I don't yeah, know. but yeah, but how, how have they? Yeah, it's 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 weird to me. It, it's weird. To yeah, me, but I, I mean, look. I, at the end of the day, we get football. I'm not going to complain about that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not complaining. Playing a game on a Wednesday afternoon because you're so desperate to not have like a week 18 or whatever. Like I, I don't know. I think it's kind of bizarre how they've handled the scheduling aspect of this but you know what are you gonna do yep yeah i don't know it's definitely weird and you know to look at to look at it from a steelers standpoint because the players were posting stuff all on social media with all you know with the game getting moved so many times you know i I look at it as if it's uh, like an injury i kind of view this as like okay well listen they have you know 10 12 guys that are listed out or however many tested positive I think it was actually 17 but uh, between the coaches and players but if you're testing guys every day you know there's no such thing as a false negative right there's only false positives so if you if you go into the facility and you test everybody and, and let's say they're all negative right I mean why can't you play this game and the way I view it is if it's like an injury almost where you have 17 guys out right um, 
if I'm a Steelers, if I'm the Steelers, I'm I'm thinking like, okay, but if if 17 guys tore their ACL on the Ravens, right, or whatever, it, we're still playing the game. Yeah, I regardless. Think, yeah, Dylan, I think the difference here is, um, well, false negatives are rare, but like they do happen, and when you have what seems to be a larger outbreak, you don't want to take the chance. So I do understand why they postponed. I mean, they postponed it six days at this point. Supposed to be last Thursday on Thanksgiving Day. Now it's next Wednesday. I, I do understand why they did that. And obviously, you know, if you're not sure if someone has COVID, last thing you want them is playing in a game, potentially getting another team sick. And then, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. So I, I, I get why they postponed. It's not exactly the same as um, a torn ACL. But that being said, I do think that, you know, if they had just followed the rules, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And we would have had this game on Thanksgiving night with, you know, two full teams. So. Yeah. And uh, you're right, Chris, it, it isn't the same as the injury, but I, I was just saying that that's what like the Steelers people are viewing this as uh, like, they're kind of viewing this as like nothing, nothing different, I guess, from people being injured and it's like, okay, but they're going to be out. So they would be out anyway. Anyway, that's not, I guess personally, what I think. I'm just saying. I think that's yeah. No, what no, I, I people, get what you're saying. I yeah. get what you're saying. You're not wrong. Yeah. So I can see why people think that, though. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's weird how they're handling this. Like Brant said, it's just, it's just it's you know they they really didn't figure out a, a foolproof system other than just canceling stuff if they had to and then just pushing stuff back. Uh, don't forget, earlier on in the year, they already took out the Steelers bye week and they moved around that stuff too. Like they made their bye week like week three because of an outbreak with another team that ultimately had to cancel the game. So they've so the Steelers had a bye week week 3 or whatever it was and so now they're kind of like just the whole season's just uh it's just all it's just weird. Yeah, but I do think I do think some NFL fans are overreacting cuz at the end of the day like yeah, this is kind of a uh you know what show but um like the vast majority of the games have been played as scheduled with no positive tests so like I, I think that that's worthy of celebrating. It's like the same thing with college basketball. People were saying, oh, all these games are getting postponed or canceled. I'm like, yeah, but 90% of the games are still on. So, like, take what you can get, play as many games as you safely can, and, you know, it's 2020. It's not going to be perfect. Yep. So that that's my take on the whole thing. Yeah, and, you know, I, I just – Man, it's just going to be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out because I'm hearing stuff not even from just from people that I talk to, that, personal opinions that they think the the season might get canceled if stuff like this starts to happen more often with you know larger outbreaks within teams because 17 people tested positive for the Ravens this past week, uh, and you know if that starts to happen with more teams along the road, that might be an issue for the NFL and they and they end, and they might end up just canceling the season which would stink they're as a football fan. They're in they're in they're in way too deep to cancel now. They'll take like they would have they would topple a South American government before they canceled the season. <laughs> like they're all in, and and they've been they've been pretty successful. It's not like we're having three Ravens situations a week. Then maybe, you know, I, I you can make the case that they would cancel the season, but um I just don't see that happening at this point. Yeah. And and with that we're going to have to wrap up tonight's Tuesday edition of the crew. Thank you for stay uh thank you for listening tonight. I was their host Dylan Allen alongside Chris Saconis and Brant Wolf. We'll see you guys tomorrow night on Wednesday night's edition of the crew. Good night everybody. Keep it locked here WRCU FM New Brunswick. <laughs>